This show is produced by ShareRoom, the knowledge-sharing platform for the fastest-growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check out ShareBird.com. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That is Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live and allow them to contribute insights directly from the field. It's competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with Clue. Welcome back to season four of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Reka, VP of Product Marketing at the amazing company Salesforce for the very first episode of season four. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. I would love it if you could share a little bit more about yourself and your background and a little bit about your role at Salesforce. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm Rika Srivatsan. I lead the product marketing function at Salesforce for one of our flagship products, Service Cloud. It's the customer support solution used by organizations from small business, mid-market, and enterprise, and it's one of the most important functions coming off of pandemic. I've been at Salesforce for a little over five and a half years, and I joined Salesforce through an acquisition, and I've been here climbing the ranks through from an independent contributor to leading the product marketing function. I enjoy learning about product marketing. I am an engineer turned marketer. So there's a lot of depth to the technical side of the product and understanding how we can break it down for the audience. And that's where the magic happens. So I am grateful for the opportunity to be at a company which values the customers. And also we have a great product that works for the customers too. So thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much. Definitely looking forward to it. And it's amazing. We have that technical background. I'm sure that helps you work with your product teams incredibly well, speak their respective language, understand what's kind of happening on the product side and ushering that, so to speak, into your go-to-market process. Yes. I never imagined that there would be, you know, there would be a function that kind of marries the technical side with the business side of things. And when I stumbled upon product marketing, it was an accident. And I realized that this is the function that I was meant to do because I truly enjoyed understanding the depth of the product, you know, breaking it down, simplifying the concepts, having a seat at the product strategy table. But at the same time, I enjoy working with customers and understanding their challenges. So product marketing happens to be that central focal point between both the function. So it's, you know, if I can bring one more person over to product marketing side, I consider that a win. <laughs> I consider it the same thing. Fell in love with product marketing in much the same way, although I'm not an engineer by background, but fell in love with it much in the same way. I want to talk a little bit about Salesforce. So you mentioned you lead uh, Service Cloud and it's a phenomenal time to be leading Service Cloud. Certainly there's been just a focus within the pandemic and just in general on the importance of service for businesses overall. It's become almost a differentiator for many businesses in yes. so many different ways, right? And I I think Salesforce is known for, in many ways, big launches, like these really big presentations, these big large scale campaigns around product launches. So curious about how you kind of structure your launch process and how you kind of go through that for Service Cloud, uh, if you could talk us through that a little bit. 
Yeah, happy to. When we think about product launches at Salesforce, we usually consider that tier one launch or a tier two launch or a tier three launch. And the reason there are differences between the tiers is if it's a small feature, then you can kind of do the basic that needs to get through the product launch, you know, help with sales enablement, have some content around it for the website and the basic aspect of it. If it's a big tier one launch, and that's when most of the product launches at Dreamforce are our major event of the year happens. So we think about product launch from the perspective of the customers. What's the value add? What's the ROI that this feature can bring to a customer across different segments? And we also think about the revenue gain for that particular product or a feature. We have three releases a year. So each of our product launches are structured around those. Not to say that we don't launch in between, but majority of our launches fall in that bucket. So consistency is definitely key in understanding what's coming up the pipeline for the next quarter, the next release and beyond and whatnot. We do have an extremely efficient release marketing team that handles most of our product releases. So we think about it from sales angle. We think about it from our customer's angle. We think about it from our prospects angle and put together a pretty robust process. Majority of our tier one launches take anywhere between four to six months in the works in progress to plan something out to that level. And we do utilize all of our resources from arming our trailblazer or our customer community to talking about it with our sales teams. Like the process is, you know, we start very early on and we involve every single team as part of the process. My favorite part of the whole product launch process is usually identifying which feature and which product we want to launch and why do we want to go big and the naming and positioning that comes with that. The reason why I enjoy that phase and that process is because one, everyone has an opinion on the name. It's like naming your baby. Like, you know, they have, it's either a good opinion or a bad opinion. Like you have an opinion, nevertheless. Right. So understanding what that means across different teams and coming to a consensus on, is this what we want to name? Is this the right name? Does that family, that does that marry well with the rest of the Salesforce products? Is it prescriptive enough? Is it simple to understand? Is it easy to understand? And all of the questions that come with it, it's not a simple process. And then comes the whole question about the legal, the trademark, you know, is this a name that we can trademark? Is this a name that's used by our competitors? Is this a name that's used by somebody else, some random company? So that whole process by itself is a pretty fun process because you go through so many different names, everyone has a perspective and how do you go through those perspectives and identify what's the right name and decide, okay, this is it. This is what we're marching towards. This is what's the name going to be. Let's move ahead. The second step is that positioning exercise that we do when it comes to a feature or a product. And for any product marketer, that's kind of the bread and butter, right? Like you want mm -hmm. to understand your product feature extremely well. You want to distill it down to a tagline or to a positioning statement or a value prop. At Salesforce, we kind of take that into two different ways. One, internal positioning, and then an external positioning. The internal positioning is usually aimed at arming our distribution teams, our sales teams, or the customer success teams. That's because we want them to understand the feature and be able to talk about that feature with our prospects and customers. So there is a lot of nuance that goes into it. Like, how does this tie well into another product we have? Or how does this work well with our broader platform? What are the differentiators and all of that? The external messaging is more about Salesforce is the number one CRM. So how do we differentiate ourselves from the rest of the competitors out there? And how do we continue to maintain that number one CRM value with our features? So it's a little bit of a nuance, but that exercise is also an extremely important exercise as you go through a product launch process at Salesforce. And while you're going through the process, you kind of identify the big KPIs, the metrics around, okay, what does a tier one launch look like? And what are the metrics? What's the tier four launch? 
it truly takes a village at Salesforce or every other company that I have done to put together a good product launch. And it's one of the most rewarding aspects of product marketing is being able to go through that product launch. And when it's out there, you can proudly state that that's your baby and you've seen it grow from like a blackboard, a topic, a line item on paper to an actual product used by different customers. And that's the beauty of a product launch. I totally agree. And the impact that that product launch has not only on your company, but even arguably more importantly, your customers and their lives is just so rewarding. I agree. It's just one of the best feelings. And, and one thing for me, at least personally, that I just love and thrive off of in product marketing, you mentioned a lot of things in there that are just fascinating to me in many ways. But one of the things I'm curious about is how does that all come together, right? It sounds like this really in-depth process that you have to go through. You have these three kind of major launches per year. You have to, I would assume know ahead of time what's coming down the pipeline? Like, how does that all come together? Does it come together fairly quickly? Are you just planning really far ahead of time? I'm curious if you can maybe walk through that just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say that we would like to plan ahead as much as possible to get to the point, but it truly depends on the teams and how the features come together. We like to, you know, know the upcoming release at least two, three months out so we can plan for it in a better way. But usually it's like two months, you get a heads up of two months and you start thinking about, okay, what does that mean? What do we do? How do we plan this? How do we align all of the teams and whatnot? The interesting part for us also is that it's the global component to it because predominantly feature releases are across the globes, across different teams. So there's a little bit of a language barrier and timing barrier that comes with it. So that also needs to go into planning. So including your international counterparts very early on in the process will help mitigate some of that. There's a lot of communication. We use Slack effectively at Salesforce. So tactically, Slack is where majority of the work happens. So we use Slack for different channels with product teams, with engineering teams, with the release marketing teams, with legal, with trademark, like you name it, you have a channel for it. So we kind of try to keep on top of all of that, bring all of the teams aligned. There's usually one PMM lead per feature or a launch at least. And then there's a team that supports that. So there's a PM, there's a PMM, and then you have a release marketing lead, and then you have your engineering team that supports it. So there's a TPM that kind of keeps us all on check. There's a program management team that also rallies all around this, but that's the tiger team, if you will, that brings together for a product launch. And that team usually is in lockstep for every release. So we plan every release out and you kind of know what's coming up in a two to three months, and that's your heads up to plan a good release. The most bigger releases, the tier one releases, we like to know that, okay, Dreamforce is coming up this year. What's our big announcement for Dreamforce? Like, what are we going to talk about? And that usually happens six to seven months. So that way we have enough time to plan for a solid launch. But at the feature level, at the tier two, tier three level, it's a two to three months heads up. Got it. it. Makes complete sense. And I love that structure. You mentioned release marketing a few times now and product marketing. I'm curious, like I assume both of those are under the broader umbrella of product marketing, but how do those teams work together? Is release marketing kind of this like center of excellence, so to speak, that is tied yes. to a product line or is it independent? So we have a customer 360 marketing organization and that customer 360 marketing organization has all of the core products and industries that come with it. So each of them have their own PMM team. They have their own process and features and a product and all of that. The release marketing sits in that organization and is responsible for all of the product and industry releases that goes across the teams. So they have a team and we have a quick talk, you know, as basic as it sounds, we track all of the releases per cloud in that. So that way we understand, okay, say 
sales cloud. This is what we are going to have for this year. This is going to be your big announcement and that's expected so-and-so. Service cloud, that's what it is. So that's the team that kind of looks at it more holistically and understands, okay, tier one for spring, tier two, whatever it is. So across the board, but that also helps us not bombard all of our releases in one time frame and kind of spread it out across the board. So that team sits within the product marketing organization, but it's a peer organization to mine. So we, the release marketing team sits in the cloud product industry marketing team. I love that. And it sounds like the release marketing team helps with some of the continuous delivery, like throughput, so to speak, right? Like the the impact that that product can have on a product marketing team of continuous delivery cannot be understated and can, can certainly take up a lot of bandwidth and having that separate release marketing team can take that off your plate. Yes. And it's a huge collaboration effort between the core PMM teams. Core PMM is what I call my team. Like we are the service cloud PMM team. So we are responsible for all things service cloud products. And it's a pretty big portfolio of different products that come into the mix. So the release marketing team is that team that kind of looks at it and helps us understand, let's think about this channel or this vehicle for your launch. How do you feel about this? We've done this in the past and this works. What do you think? Does this make sense for your audience? And all of those questions. But that collaborative nature is what drives a successful launch at Salesforce. Love that. And even from this conversation, getting a sense of how big even the, the product marketing team is yes. at Salesforce overall, but also I think everyone probably recognizes how big Salesforce as an overall company is. I'm curious how you in your role kind of rally all these teams around and stay connected to everything happening within the kind of service cloud umbrella or within the overall product marketing umbrella, because I imagine getting all of these kind of downstream yes. go-to-market teams like sales and customer success and so forth involved in that can be maybe a challenge. It is quite a challenge. And every time we have a new tool that comes into the mix, like when we acquired Quip, everything was on Quip. And it took us a learning curve to get accustomed to doing that. And now everything is on Slack and that's a learning curve by itself. So now we have a channel for everything, but not everyone is in every channel too. So it's like, okay, we are there on Slack, but are you there on this channel? Like, do you know this channel? Does this channel exist? All of those questions. So we are getting there. I wouldn't say we are about 100%. Like we've totally figured this out. We have a good rhythm. We're getting there. The most important piece for me, and I tell my team this, is plug yourselves into these conversations. Like have a good networking or a network of your like-minded peers. So in product marketing at Salesforce, you have core product marketing teams, you have content marketing teams, you have social, you have events, you have go-to-market. So there's a different flavor of product marketing, even within Salesforce. So one of the things that I tell my team is, okay, you are a core PMM for service cloud. Find the other core PMM for sales cloud or marketing cloud and have that network, like someone who's doing a similar role to yours in the other clouds, like have that network. Get a better sense of what they are doing and what you're doing. Kind of do like a little bit of a sharing between the two of you or this group. So that way you understand how things work and you might learn a thing or two that you want to bring it down to service cloud and likewise. So having that network is going to be critical and it's now extremely critical because of the virtual setting. We've always been a remote friendly work environment. We've had teams across the company, across the country, across the globe. So this is not net new, but it's now becoming way more prominent than it ever was before. So if it's a Slack channel, great, but identify that group of people that you can bounce off ideas or understand how they are doing it differently for their team. And uh, this is just within product marketing. And then you have the other peripheral functions, which is the customer success and this. Usually all of these teams will have a product 
product focused team. Like for instance, there is a service cloud product management team. There is a service cloud focused customer success team. So those teams are your counterparts. The leaders have their own conversations. Like I meet one-on-one with all of them, with our COO for service cloud on a regular basis, just to make sure that we are lockstep. It's so easy to miss information or miss updates and whatnot. So it's important for the leaders to have their own one-on-ones and then the team members also to have their own one-on-ones. And each of those products within sales cloud also has their own PM. So kind of identify what that is, lay it all out and then get together in groups. It's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of communication, like extreme amounts of communication that goes through on Slacks. And we haven't done emails in a while. Like we try to move it all towards Slack, but sometimes I feel like a parrot when I'm repeating the same thing again and again, and it's usually to multiple different groups, but that helps. That keeps us all aligned. There is some structure to this madness. And I think that's Slack for us and communication and figuring that out. So we're getting there. That's amazing. I love hearing that. And by the way, I should say that I'm a huge fan of Slack and yes. we, we certainly use it internally here at Iterable as well. And it's just been a phenomenal tool. So good to hear that everyone's using it and not everyone's figured it out either yeah, yeah. because because we face many of the same challenges you mentioned. Yes, it's, it's getting there. Like it's a fantastic tool for like async communication and conversation, but it's also so real time. So when you do have to take a minute to digest information and come back to something, you have to figure out your rhythm to it. Like how do you not miss response to a question that's been asked of you? But that extra communication, it's a challenge. And some people are more faster than the other. Some people take their own time. So trying to identify that balance for everyone without feeling overwhelmed is what we are trying to figure out. Yeah, I totally agree. And I want to shift focus just a little bit, but build off of what we just talked about in your career or throughout your career so far at, at Salesforce, you've had a good purview into SMB and growing from SMB as well. And so how do you and the team really think about the marketing mix and messaging for SMB versus enterprise? Yeah, I love working with both the groups, with both SMB, mid-market and enterprise, like that whole mix. It's pretty interesting when you think about a PMM standpoint, it gives you such a different experience working with both the customers. In the SMB world, you the decision maker and the user are usually the same person. So you're working with the CEO, CEO or a co-founder who's just getting started and either has an understanding of what CRM does or not, but they are just getting started, but it's the main decision maker and the user. In the enterprise world, you have a group, a team of decision makers, and you have to kind of work through a head of sales, a head of marketing, a head of service before you even get to the CEO or an operations person or whatever that looks like. So that's the fundamental difference between an SMB and versus the enterprise org. In order for us to be able to address that, the marketing mix, the marketing messaging has to also address the target market. So when you talk to the decision maker and the user in the SMB world, you go heavy on the ROI based for that particular product. You talk about, well, if you had this, this is what you can get. Like maybe it's time back in the day to focus on other things, or maybe it's giving them an extra hand resource for them to do something else. But that's going to be critical in SMB. In enterprise, you take the same ROI approach, but it's more about the function. So if you have this tool, the ROI for sales team is so much. For the ROI for service team, your teams can be more productive, more efficient, whatnot. But it's a little bit of an extra step when it comes to enterprise messaging versus SMB. The other thing that I have also seen in SMB world is this big word of mouth communication that goes between them. Every startup founder knows at least one other startup founder who's in the same boat as them. So utilizing that channel is extremely critical, like identifying doing an events mix or doing community-based activities in SMB is going to be critical because you kind of learn from one another on what is that, you know, what is that you're doing that is working and how can you take that to the next team? So Salesforce is some 
something that's a tool that's ubiquitous for one startup or a small business, then that's what you hear from that founder to the other founder and that word of mouth grows. In the enterprise, it's about bringing the champions for each of those organizations together because you're predominantly working with Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies. So it's a big, big team. So how do you identify that probably that one champion within that team that's a huge fan of your product? Bring them along for the ride. Like, you know, use that as your resource. Like, how can you arm that person to make your tool the most ubiquitous tool in that team? Start from one team and then grow across all teams. And then that becomes a bigger motion by itself. So it's not dramatically different between the two, but having a deeper understanding of your target specifically for your product in both these segments will what will drive your conversations. I tell my team to have at least one customer conversation a week. I know it's not ideal, but that helps significantly because you're learning more specifically their challenges and pain points as opposed to your product. And that helps you tweak your messaging. That helps you talk to product about what they can do better from a product, building a product standpoint. And three, you're using that to your advantage to being able to build a better product by itself. So every product marketer who's listening to this conversation, I would encourage you to go out and have those conversations with your customers. And the value add that you bring to the table with that information is huge and you can use it across the board. Agree. Yeah. It's really one of the central pieces that we can bring to the table, so to speak, right? And that customer understanding, the customer pain, so to speak, that they're feeling and that our product can ideally solve for. Absolutely. And it's such a critical thing too. Like we often underestimate the value of a customer conversation and it's such a underrated project. So if that's your central, like if that's what you want to do as a core product marketer, you need to have a better understanding of your customers. A lot of my customers have me on speed dial and they would send a message saying, Hey, I'm stuck on this product. Like, can you help me troubleshoot? I'm not a customer success person. I know the product well because I enjoy knowing my product and I'm able to help them, but that's the response that they want. Like they don't want to go to a different resource like here is an article that will help you how to do like that's not what they want they want it real time they want it quick they want it fast they want to talk to a person so I'm not saying you have to have that you know you have to change your jobs from a marketer to a customer support person but having that relationship helps significantly totally agree it certainly opens doors and I love that you encourage your team to talk with customers once per week it's certainly something that I encourage of my team as well and, and also listening reactively to a lot of calls right like yes. using like technology like gong for example mm -hmm. and so forth to be able to kind of listen back to calls that sales teams are having or how they're positioning right. things or right. questions that are being asked or, or whatever the case may be can actually give you a lot of insight and intelligence into what's happening at the ground floor. Absolutely. So one thing I absolutely love to talk about and focus on a little bit is just career development. And in our conversation a little bit before we hit record here, you've come up through the ranks in just a fascinating way at Salesforce. It's just amazing to see. And I'm curious, as you've come up, you've kind of led at the team level. And now I think if it's fair to say you're kind of at the function level. And so can you share a little bit more about what skills maybe you've had to develop or just what you think is important as you've made that transition from kind of team leadership to function leadership? Yeah, before I get started, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I have been very thankful and grateful for a really awesome group of leaders and mentors who have given me the guidance throughout my journey at Salesforce and beyond, but also kind of been in my corner to tell me, hey, this is the right time for you to think about something big, like you're capable of doing that and that nudge and that push. So I'm very grateful to all of them. That being said, you know, when you first start as an independent contributor in a team, you have to think about, okay, what is your value add for your immediate team, your first circle 
I think about often in three circles. The first circle is your immediate team. The second circle is your immediate organization and then beyond. So when you start as an independent contributor, you're kind of wondering, okay, I'm brand new. This is my charter. I need to do this. But what is your value add? Like, what is the brand that you are creating within your team? How do you do that? So that's your first step. Can you influence a project that you are not working on that the other person on your team, when your immediate team is working on, then that's your success. Like that's how you measure success at that level. And once you do that, you start thinking about it to the expand that circle a little bit. Like how many projects have I done that's beyond my immediate team that have had influence or that I have been able to influence that? So that's your immediate product marketing broader team, like your peer organization. Like, have you done that? And then the third step is how do you go beyond? Like, how do you have an impact in your BU and your operating unit or in your functional level? So think about it in that circle. Like I would recommend you actually write down the names of people that you have an influence in each of those circles and see how that expands over time. The second thing that I would also recommend is you hear this often about do the job that you want before you actually get the job. I've always questioned that, like, what does that mean? Like, I'm supposed to do my job now and then also do the job before, before I get, like, what does that even mean? How I have internalized it is think about your manager, your immediate manager, your leader, and see what are some of the things that you can do for them without you being asked to do certain things. That is such an important distinction between saying, okay, go do the job of a VP before getting the baby. You don't know what that means. Like, what does that even mean? So think about your immediate manager and what are some of the things that he or she are doing in their world of things and how can you take some slice of that pie and how can you help them? So think about it in that lens. The third thing that I would also say is become indispensable in your team. Like, you know, what is that one thing that you can bring to the table and only you can bring to the table? Why would everyone in your organization want only you to do a certain thing? Become indispensable. So look around for that niche thing that only you are capable of and become stronger in that. When I started on the team, I was kind of the only one who had the engineering background, so to speak. So that was my strength. So what I did with that was I became quickly the expert for that product. So when I become the expert of the product, naturally your peers and everyone on your team will be like, hey, I don't understand the product that intimately. You're the only one who understands it. Can you help me out with this? So you naturally expand your circle without you begging for work or asking to be included, but you're naturally given that space because you are the technical expert on the team. If you ask me, every product marketer should be a product expert, but let's leave that aside. But kind of that was my brand. So becoming that product expert helped me build my brand within my team and kind of put me on a different product. I understand that product. Let me talk to you about how I can connect the dots between two things. The other thing we've all heard this and everyone says this like network, 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 network. It's important. It's ridiculously important because every role that you move from one to another, you need help from so many different teams to be successful in that. And it helps when you have a relationship already with all of those teams. Every time I've moved from one role to another, I know my peers, I know the broader organization, I know enough to be able to do that. So if anyone who starts new at Salesforce or on my team, the first thing I tell them is the first 30 days, every day, you have to meet at least one new person, not just from your team, but across the board. Five minutes, 10 minutes. I don't care, but have a coffee conversation, get to know that person for who they are and build that rapport, build a relationship because it's such a small world internally within Salesforce marketing team. So you never know who's going to go to different teams and you know who's going to pull you in and all of that stuff. So first 30 days, it's going to be important. And as you, once your work picks up, think about, you know, identify one person in every project and build that relationship. Like you will meet eventually a new person on every project, build that relationship with them. So building relationships is central 
crucial to everything you do. People think that when you join a company that you don't have to build relationships anymore because you've already joined this company. And they always think about relationship building outside of the company. I want to flip that. Build relationships within the company. That's key too. Don't stop doing that. Yeah. Those have all been something that I have learned in my growth and with the guidance of so many wonderful leaders and mentors, I have been grateful to have different roles that have kind of fed my curiosity and growth here. That is incredible insights for every single product marketer or aspiring product marketer listening to this. So thank you for that. As we look to close here, any final words, any content or place that you want to share Twitter or for example, or anywhere else that you want to point folks to where we can find you? LinkedIn is a great resource. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you are interested in either making the transition to product marketing or product marketing at Salesforce. I'm more than happy to chat with you about either. I take pride in every time when someone tells me, oh, I was in a different field and then I really want to get into product marketing. Like, great. Let me tell you, if I can bring one more person to product marketing, I consider that a huge win in my book. So hit me up. Sharebird is also a wonderful resource. And I'm not saying that because I'm on this podcast or I have had a few opportunities to work with them, but it is a great resource. I can tell you countless times how many teams members have come to me and they've told me, hey, that thing that you said resonated with me and I'm doing that already in my team. So use this as a resource. I never had this when I was trying to figure out what product marketing really is. So this is a great resource. So use that and hit me up if you want to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rekha, for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to speak with you. I really enjoyed this conversation and have a great rest of your day. Likewise. Thank you for having me. This show is produced by Sherwood the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check out sharebird.com.